Good evening. We are going to be discussing the relevant halachas to the preparation to Purim with the halachas of Purim. Tanis Estem Purim Bezus Hashem. This week we'll discuss the build-up to Purim, which is the place we find ourselves in the calendar, which is just before Pashas Shekolim, just before the Shabbos HaMavach and HaChadosh of Adar Sheni. Just the Rishchidosh of Adar Sheni, which we're going to be, we're going to have Mavach and HaChadosh, the Shabbos Bez Hashem, and we'll discuss the relevant halachas that are pertinent to the present time we find ourselves building up to Tanis Esther. And Be'ez Hashem, in two weeks' time, we'll come back and we'll discuss the halachas of Tanis Esther and the halachas of Purim. Then we will meet again three weeks after that. We will meet again for the pre-Pesach Shir. So that if I just give you the dates, so today is the 21st of February. We will meet again in two weeks' time, which is the... 7th of March for the next next part of the halachas of Tanis Esther and Purim. Well, then we won't meet again on the on the 20 on the 21st. Instead, we'll delay it for a week and we'll meet again on the 28th of March, which is Chafhei Adosheni, just before Rishchidosh, the week of Rishchidosh Nisan, where we will have a live Verses Hashem in the new hall. Hopefully, with everything working as it should, in the new hall, a pre-Pesach ship back to the way it should be and the way it was, Be'ezus Hashem. Everything continuing in the positive manner that it is at the moment. But for the moment, let's discuss the halachas of the month of Ador, the halachas of the four parashiyas and anything that's relevant to us that uh, will come up in the coming month. First of all, we need to know that Mishanichnas Ador Marbim Basimcha is a halacha in Shulchan Aruch, when the month of Ador comes in Marbin Basimcha. One has to be joyful. It's an extremely difficult avoider, and it could even be that the Simcha is progressive from when Adar starts, right the way through to Purim and beyond. The Simcha of Adar is progressive, and therefore one should be constantly in a state of joy, as best as one can. It's a halacha in Shochanoruch, and it's a part of our avoider Hashem. The reason why one has to be with Simcha and Ador is because of the month of Ador represents Simcha. It's a month where our relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is on a different plane, on a different level to a normal month. And that's why the month of Ador, we were Zecha to see the un- unbelievable salvation that Yeshua of the story of the Megillah that took place in the month of Ador. And therefore that month of Ador is in every calendar, every annual calendar, yearly, when we come around to the month of Ador, there is an obligation of us to be besimcha because it's a month which represents simcha. It's the month where we can see Yeshua's. And therefore, the halacha tells us a, a very interesting angle to this. And that is, since Adar is a month of, of Yeshua, is a month of salvation, if a person has a judgment between him and a non-Jew, then he should try and arrange for the judgment to take place in the month of Adar. Because in the month of Adar, that's when we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's helping hand clearly, obviously, openly, not through a haze of Hester, through a haze of darkness. And therefore says Allah, somebody who has a judgment, a, an argument, which is going to go to court with a non-Jew, have that argument in court, 
have that court case take place in our door, because in our door we see Yeshua, we see salvation from HaKadosh Baruch. The seventh of Ador is an interesting day in the calendar. The seventh of Ador, Zayin Ador, is the day which was the yacht site of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's a day which has been fixed by many, many Hebrew Kedishas around the world. Not us, not all, but many Chassan Sefer's times and many Ashkenaz Hebrew Kedishas fixed the day of the Yom Kenisa to be on Zayin Ador. Because Zayin Ador is the day which is the yacht site of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the day that he was born to. And because it's the outside of Moshe Rabbeinu, many, many people have a minhag to fast on Zayin Hador because it's the outside. So by putting the, placing the Yom Kenisa on Zayin Hador, you, in other words, kill two birds with one stone. You can have the, the tainis of Zayin Hador, which many people fast anyway, together with the tainis of the Yom Kenisa. And that way you've, uh, got around the the obligation to, to fast twice, he managed to amalgamate it into a single day of Tanis. Plus, the fact that it's a Zayin Ador, it's a, the outside of Moshe Rabbeinu, is a day which is applicable for Yom Knesset. And the Chassan Sefer has many, many droshes, which he gave at the Yom Knesset on Zayin Ador in, in, in the, uh, in Preshberg, in where the Chassan Sefer was robbed. We don't have the minute to have Zayin Ador, but Zayin Ador is still an auspicious day because it's a day of the outside of Moshe Rabbeinu. This year where we have two Adars, then the minute is to keep the Yom Knesset and the outside of Moshe Rabbeinu in Zayin Adar Sheni. Even though we in Ashkenaz normally keep the outside of a person who demise, who, who, who departed from this world, in a normal Adar, we keep the outside like Minik Ashkenaz, like the Ramah tells us, on the first of, the first Adar, the Adorishan, but the outside of Moshe Rabbeinu is, is, Kept as the second Ador in Zayn Ador Sheni. There are some people who fast on Zayn Ador Sheni, but also fast on Zayn Ador Rishon in order to fulfill both, both opinions of the yacht sites, both Zayn Ador Rishon and Zayn Ador Sheni. We don't have a minig as such to fast. It's really only for Hasidim, uh, Anshe Maisa, and I'm talking about real Hasidim, Anshe Maisa, people who are really pious. They have a minute to fast, but the average person doesn't fast. But yet, Zainadar is still a day, a day to be reckoned with. It's a day which is the yacht site of Moshe Rabbeinu. Purim cotton has passed. And though there are one or two relevant halachas that one could discuss with Purim cotton, but since we're past Purim cotton, the Yudalit Adorishan has passed. We are today in, in, we are today Chaf Adorishan, and therefore way past uh, Purim Cotton. Therefore, I'm going to spare you the halachas, and Be'ezus Hashem, hopefully maybe in the next leap year, which is in two years' time, we will, I think, we'll be able to have time to discuss the halachas of Purim Cotton. We have a takona which was introduced many years ago by Chazal to lane every single Shabbos in Shul. Every single Shabbos in Shul we lane. How much and what one should lay in every Shabbos has evolved over the years. In, uh, in Nadoi, in certain places in, in Bovel, they used to finish the Torah once every three years, meaning they only lay in part of a sedra every single Shabbos. But we have the, the Messiah that we lay in. Rabbi Greenberg? Yes. It's very cut up. It's not clear. I'm sorry. I don't know why. It's, um, do you want me to go off Zoom and start again? No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine now. You sure? Thank you, yes. No problem. 
if you can't hear, please let me know. It's not really in much in my hands, but I'll do my best to to uh, rectify things. So we have a minute there for Masayrin, which has been passed down from generation to generation for already thousands or hundreds and maybe close to thousands of years, where we lay in every Shabbos the Pasha, a whole Pasha. And we finish this, this, the Torah the once a year, and we finish it on Simchas Torah. So therefore, we learn from the, the week after Simchas Torah, we start Pasha's Bereshis, and we finish the Torah through the weeks, week after week, learning one Pasha, and sometimes two, we will finish the, the Kriya of the whole, Kala Torah, of the whole Torah Shabbat Shabbat, of the Chalik of Torah of Torah Shabbat Shabbat. We will finish by Simchas Torah, that year, and then we'll start again and we'll go through the cycle once more. In addition to the Takana, this, this rule, this Takana to lane every single Shabbos, Chazal introduced an extra Kriyas HaTayr, which they asked us to lane at different times of the year. One of those Kriyas is, for example, one of the Kriyas is we have, Gemara tells us that always before the Rosh Hashanah and always before Shavuos, will lay in the Klolis. Now that's a Takonas Chazal, irrelevant of whether we happen to navigate the Sedras, that they should just land at the appropriate time. So Pashas Reshanan and Pashas Kisove should uh, land on the appropriate Shabbos pre-Rosh Hashanah and pre-Shavuos, which it does in our cycle. But that would be the case even if you followed the three-year cycle. There would be an obligation to lay in those Pashas in the preceding weeks to Rosh Hashanah and the preceding week to Shavuos, actually means two weeks before, preceding weeks before Shoshana and the preceding weeks before Shavuos. So we see Chazal sometimes introduced extra careers and specific careers for specific times of the year. And we find as well that Chazal tell us that there's four parashas that Chazal asked us to read in the build-up to the Yom Tov of Pesach. And they are the parashas of Pasha Shkolim, the parasha of Pasha Zochre, the parasha of Pasha Pora, and the parasha known as Pashas HaChadosh. The way that we fulfill that obligation is that we lay in the Pasha, the Sedra of the week, and then for the Haftarah, we will lay in the specific Pasha that Chazal asked us to lay in, and that week. And therefore, this Shabbos, which is considered Pasha Shkolim, we'll discuss in a moment why this Shabbos is Pasha Shkolim and why the order of events is Shkolim and Pasha Zohar and Pasha Parah and Pasha but we will lay in the normal sedra, which is Pashas Vayakel. This year it's Vayakel, not Vayakel Pekudei, because we have a leap year, so we have extra weeks, so we can split some of the sedras. So we split Vayakel Pekudei into two separate sedras, so we will lay in Pashas Vayakel. But for the Haftarah, we will lay in the Pasha Shkolim, which is the Pasha of Kisiso, the first few psukim in the Pasha of Kisiso. Exactly which four weeks we lay in and when we have a half suckers in between, because not the four, the four weeks are not, not uh, consecutive. There will be breaks or one break or sometimes two breaks in those four weeks. Uh, and for that, we have a very interesting simon given by Chazal. When we have one break and when we have two breaks, what dates in the month of Adar will those breaks take place? And Chazal gave us a very interesting simon. And it's a similar which is a Rosh Tevis. And he goes, Zatu, that's Zion Tesvov, or Bu, base Vov, or Dalet Dalet Dod, or Vov Biv, or Ubiv. So Zatu, Bu, Dod, and Ubiv. And the explanation for that is as follows. If you take the first of these simonyms, Zion Tesvov, Zatu, when Rishchidosh 
Adar falls on a Shabbos, then there will, there will be one half soccer, and that is the Shabbos which falls Tesvav of Adar. Then there'll be one half soccer. The first Shabbos, meaning the Shabbos of Rishchidosh, will be the Shabbos of Shkolim. The next Shabbos, which is the Zion, will be the Shabbos of Pasha's Zohar. The next Shabbos, which is the Tesvav, will be Shabbos of Sokka. The Shabbos after that will be a Shabbos Pasha's Porah. The Shabbos after that will be Shabbos Pasha's Achidosh. And that way we'll fill the month of Adar with the four Pashas plus one break in the middle. If we have Rishchidosh on a Monday, so we'll go to the second of the Simonim, which is base Vav Bu. If we go and Rishchidosh falls on a Monday, if Rishchidosh falls on a Monday, now when we talk about Rishchidosh, just let's get this clear, this year we have two days Rishchidosh, but two days Rishchidosh, we're referring to the, the Rishchidosh of Aleph Adar, which in fact this year will be the second day Rishchidosh. So when Rishchidosh falls, when Aleph Adar falls on the Monday, then the Shabbos of Vov Adar will be a Hafsaka, which means the previous Shabbos to Rishchidosh will be Pasha Shkolim, because we like to read Pasha Shkolim, as we'll discuss in a moment, either on Rishchidosh or before Rishchidosh. The next Shabbos, Vov Adar, is not the Shabbos before Purim. So we will make take a break, and we will have a Hafsaka. The next Shabbos will be Pasha Shkolim, and the Shabbos after that, we pass the So we'll end up with one break, which is the sixth of Adar. The next simon is Dalit Dalit. Dot. If Rishchidosh falls on a Wednesday, on a Dalit, Yom Dalit, then the Shabbos, which is also going to be Dalit Adar, will be half soccer for the same reason. Because the Shabbos before Rishchidosh would lay in Pashish Kolim. The next Shabbos is not the Shabbos before Purim. It's too early. There'll be another Shabbos in between. So that Shabbos will be half soccer. The next Shabbos will be Pasha's Zohar. The two Shabboses after Purim will be Shabbos Pasha's Parah and Shabbos Pasha's Achaydish. So we'll end up with one half soccer, Dalad. When, when Rishchaydish falls on a Wednesday, the Shabbos, the fourth of Adar, will be a half soccer. This year is the final simon. This year is B Yudvav. B Yudvav. Biv. Vav, sorry, Vav. Base Yudvav. Ubiv, meaning Vav, if Rishchidish falls on a Friday as it does this year, this year, tomorrow, and this Shabbos, we will be saying Bichas Achidish, and we will be being Mavorach Achidish on a Friday. Rishchidish is going to be Friday. That means Aleph Adorishim is going to be on a Friday. So we will lay in Pashish Kolim the Shabbos before, which is this coming Shabbos. Then the next Shabbos, which is base Adar, is not the Shabbos before Purim. As it isn't, if you look in the calendar. So therefore it'll be half soccer. The next Shabbos will be the Shabbos before Purim. That'll be Pasha Zohar. But there'll be another three more Shabboses for Pasha's Purim, Pasha's Achidish, for the simple reason that Pasha's Rishchidish Nisan will fall on the Shabbos this year. So that Shabbos, we will, we will read Pasha's Achidish. So we will have two Shabboses post Purim before we read Pasha's Achidish. So we'll end up with a second Hapsaka, which will be on Tesvav Ador. The Shabbos of Tesvav Ador will be a second Hapsaka. So we end up when Shredish falls on a Friday, we have the, the Shabbos pre-year Shredish will be Pasha's Kolim. Base Ador will be the first Hapsaka. Tes Ador will be Pasha's Zohar, and Tes Zayin Ador, the 16th of Ador, 
Biv, Yud, base Yud Vov, the, the 16th of Adar will be a second half soccer. We'll then have Pashas Paro on the, the following week, which is Chav Gimel Adar, and then on Rosh Chodesh we'll have Pashas HaChodesh. So that's the, the, the way the calendar is set up, that the weeks building up to, to Purim and Pesach will always be Pashas Kolim and Pashas Zohar before Purim, Pashas Paro, Pashas Chodesh after Purim, and depending on which day Rosh Chodesh falls, if Rosh Chodesh falls on a Friday, there'll be one of soccer on the 15th, of Ador. If Rosh Chodesh falls on a Monday, there'll be one of soccer on the 6th of Ador. If Rosh Chodesh falls on a Wednesday, there'll be one of soccer on the 4th of Ador. If Rosh Chodesh falls on a Friday, as it does this year, there'll be two half soccer's on the 2nd of Ador, on the 16th of Ador, and that's the way our calendar is set up this year. Rabbi Greenberg, I'm sorry yes. to disturb you. There is a lady who, who's trying to get uh, get in, and you are not uh, letting her go in. You can't I just... haven't to not let her in. It's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> I'm sorry, she just called me. <laughs> I can't. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have the uh, permission to undo. I don't know why she can't come in. I'm not sure exactly. If it's okay, I'm in. Thank you very much. I am in. in. Right, I'm thank you. Sorry, yes, thank you. No problem. Thank you, thank you. You can always rely on Mrs. Flax to look after you. Right, now we have in Minik Ashkenaz a minik to say Yetzirah on these Shabbosas. We have a minik to say Yetzirah on all the Shabbosas from now almost till Shavuos. But we're not referring to the, Shab- the Yetzirah that we say in the Hafsakas because they're really quite small Yetzirah. We're talking about the larger Yetzirah that we say in Minik Ashkenaz. Now this is a minik across Ashkenaz. It's been uh, taken out of the world, the Olam HaYeshivas. In the Yeshiva world they don't say these yetras, but in the Hasidic world and in the world of of, of real Ashkenaz, these yetras are said. We have a minute to say some yetras in the Bichas Krishma, in the Brochas that we say around Krishna after Baruch we will add certain Yetzirah, certain Putim. Uh, we'll have a Yetzirah, we will have an Oifan and a Siluk, etc. And, and they're fantastic Yetzirahs. That's already uh, very specific to our type of shul, to a shul that keeps Menig Ashkenaz. And primarily because that was a Menig in most Rishonim historically. But uh, the Gon and Arizal followed the opinion of the Ramah, which is quoted in the Torah, not ever to make a break in Bichas Krishma, and that's become the, the, the established minig in the world of the yeshivas, and particularly in the world of Hasidim, who follow the minig of the Arizal, and therefore those, those yeshivas they don't say. Though the Yerubchayim Mital himself does write that if you're in a base of Medrash that does say yeshivas in Bichas Krishma, you should say them with. And therefore anybody who does daven in Aushul will be obligated to say the Yetzirah. And this year, where we only have one minion. For Pasha Shkodim, we definitely will only have one minion. Pasha Zohar, I'm not sure. Probably also one. But uh, maybe, maybe not. But if we only have one minion, then we will be saying Yetzirah. And all of us who are done there will be saying those Yetzirah. The Yetzirah are really beautiful. They've been written by, by Rishonim and even by some by the Tanoim. And they really are, are beautiful Yetzirah. It's well worth preparing those Yetzirah before you come to shul to understand what you're saying. It's, it's something which will really enhance your Shabbos and enhance your, your understanding of the mitzvahs that the, those Shabbosas are referring to. So, Rabbi Greenberg, uh, sorry, yes. it's a game. There's not much I can do about it, Mrs. Engel. Uh, no, it's a game. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't, I, I'm just talking and I'm staying at the same position, so I, I'm not quite sure what's going on. You have to have a word with, with uh, Mr. Zoom. Thank you. 
So we will be saying Yetzirah's Be'ez Hashem, and that's a minig Ashkenaz. Many other Batim Adrashim that do say Yetzirah's only say the Yetzirah's in Chazor's Shatz of Shachris, which is, uh, again, uh, accepted. Then not everybody says all the Yetzirah's. We, of course, do say all the Yetzirah's. And as I said, it's well worth preparing because they really are beautiful Yetzirah's. On Pashish Shkol and Pashish Achidish, we have an additional minhag to say Yetzirah's, small Yetzirah's, but in the Musaf of the Chazor's Musaf of the Pashas Kolim and Pashas Hachidish. In Pashas Zohar, in Pashas Pora, we do not say these Yetzirahs. Though there are in the historical Yetzirah books, Yetzirahs for Pashas Zohar and Pashas Pora as well in Musaf, but we don't have that minute to, to say that. So that's a relief for some and a shame for others. So understanding that, let's go through the four weeks and see which halachas are relevant for all of us. So Pashish Kolim is always going to be the Shabbos before Rishchidosh Adar or the Shabbos of Rishchidosh Adar. If it's a leap year as it is this year, it'll always be the Shabbos before or the Shabbos of Rishchidosh Adar Sheni. So therefore this year where Rishchidosh is on a Friday, so the Shabbos preceding Rishchidosh is going to be Pashish Kolim and that's his coming Shabbos, Pashish Vayakil. The reason why we read the Pasha Shkolim, the week of Rishchidosh, the Shabbos before, or the Shabbos of Rishchidosh, is because in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, the the announcement would go out, a Rishchidosh Adar, that everybody should donate a Machsis Hashekel to the Beis Hamikdash. That Machsis Hashekel was collected right throughout Eretz Yisrael and donated to the Beis Hamikdash in order to pay for the carbon tomid or the carbonis tomidin, which were brought every single day, one carbon in the morning, the tomish al shacha and the tomish al bein which was brought in the evening. That was funded by these machsis hashekels. Every member of Klal Yisrael donated a machsis hashekel, and therefore every member of Klal Yisrael became part of these carbonis that were brought daily, which enabled Klal Yisrael and the world to continue to to, to function as as it should. The, the carbon tomid enabled, enabled the tomidus, the continuity of the world and the continuity of Kladisrol to exist. And therefore, that hachraza, that announcement went out with Shredish Adol. So we, where unfortunately we don't have a Besamikdosh, but when you say no harabim, we were not yet zeichah to the rebuilding of the Besamikdosh. We before Shredish Adol, before the time, or on Shredish Adol, at the time when this announcement should take place, we read the Pasha of Machsis Hashekel. To remind us, either to remind us Zeichel Mikdash of what would, would have taken place in the time of the Beis Mikdash, or because we have a rule on the Shalma Parim Sif Seisenu, that which we can't fulfill practically. For example, we can't bring Karbonis because we don't have a Beis Mikdash. We fulfill the concept of the carbon by reading the Pashas of the Karbonis. That's why every day, every morning, we say the Pasha of Karbon Tamid. We say other Karbonis in, in, in Shachris in the morning. So that Neshalma Parim Sifrasenu, through our, through our fillers, it's as if, HaKadosh Baruch Hu considers it as if we have actually brought the Karbon. And therefore the same here, says the Levush, is relevant to the Machsis HaShekel. By reading the Pasha of the Machsis HaShekel, pre-Rishchei or on-Rishchei So that when Rishchei comes in, we now have had this announcement and read this parasha of Masas HaShekel. It's equivalent to us having had the announcement and donating that Masas HaShekel to the Karb Tomid. And that's why Chazal introduced a reading of this parasha Kisiso on the week before or the week of the Shabbos of Rishchei This obligation to hear parasha Shkolim 
is an obligation on men only. It is not an obligation on women. It's a mitzvah sashesh as mangaroma, and we have a rule, the mitzvah sashesh as mangaroma, noshim opaturis. Though, saying that, there is no uh, rule against women fulfilling a mitzvah, which is mitzvah sashesh as mangaroma. We have in Minig Ashkenaz, we, we encourage women, that's our Minig, to shake shake the lulav, an esrog, we encourage them to sit in the sukkah where possible, because where it's possible for you to fulfill a mitzvah, why not fulfill it? So if you are able to go to shul and hear the the reading of Pasha Shkolim, wonderful, but you have no obligation. There is no obligation to, for a woman to hear Pasha Shkolim. It's a mitzvah, it has a very fixed time. Chazal gave a fixed time. The Shabbos before Pasha's, the Shabbos before Rishchei Shadol, or the Shabbos of Rishchei Shadol, and therefore that absolves women from having to come to shul to hear Pasha's column. The next of the four parashas is Pasha's Zohar. Pasha's Zohar is the last three psukim in Pasha's Kiseitse, which discusses the mitzvah of wiping out Amalek. Timcha es zeicha Amalek mitachas hashemoyim loy sishkoch. We have an obligation not to forget Amalek and to wipe to wipe out harmonic. That is an obligation which falls on all of us. And therefore, we have to do that once a year. Once a year, we must remind ourselves of our obligation to remember what harmonic did and to wipe out harmonic. Since uh, uh, the memory of a person lasts a year, more than a year, the memory begins to, to fade. Therefore, the, it's obligated, we have an obligation to remind ourselves annually that we need to remember what Amalek did, and we have to remind ourselves that we have an obligation to wipe out Amalek as much as we can. Therefore, Chazal decided to fix a date for the kiyum, for the fulfillment of this mitzvah of Lois Sishkoch, Timcha Ezecha Amalek, Lois Sishkoch, and they fixed it just the week before Purim. And we can understand why they fixed this parsha to be read the week before Purim, because we're about to read the Megillah, in a few days later, the Megillah, which is a story of Haman. We know that Haman was a descendant of, of Agog. Haman Ha'agogi, he was a descendant of Agog, who was a Melech and Amalek. The descendants of Amalek. And just as the story of Amalek, just as the story of Haman and Purim is a story of Mechias Amalek, wiping out Amalek, so too, therefore, it's the appropriate time, say Chazal, for us to remember the mitzvah, which we're obligated to fulfill annually, the mitzvah of remembering Amalek, and remembering how to wipe out Amalek. And therefore, we have an obligation on the Pasha Zohar to remember and read the Pasha, the three Pesukim, in the end of Pasha's Kiseitse at that time. According to most opinions, not all, but according to most opinions, Pasha Zohar is a mitzvah deraisa. Pasha Shkolem is not a mitzvah deraisa at all. It's only a, a, a rabbinical introduced mitzvah. And it's, it's primarily rabbinical. It has no biblical obligation whatsoever. The biblical obligation is to donate a machsah to the base of We can't do that nowadays. But Pasha Zohar, the Timcha Zecha Amolek Lois Sishkoch, according to most opinions in the Rishonim and in the Poskim, is a mitzvah deraisa, is biblically ordained mitzvah. We have to remind ourselves annually, min what Amalek did, and we have to remind ourselves to wipe out Amalek. And therefore, because it's a mitzvah deraisa, it has the parameters that a mitzvah deraisa, biblical obligation has. And the first parameter that we need to remember is that when it comes to a mitzvah drabonon, we say mitzvahs ain't shrikhis kavonot. Mitzvahs don't need to have 
an intent to fulfill the mitzvah. If a person just act, does the act of the mitzvah de Rabbanon, he, is, he has fulfilled his obligation. When it comes to the mitzvah de Raisa, then we follow the opinion that mitzvah is shricha is kavano. You need to have an intent to fulfill your mitzvah. So, for example, before you eat your mitzvah's matzah on Leo Pesach, which is a mitzvah de Raisa, we have to have the intention to fulfill the mitzvah matzah. And before you, you sit in a sukkah, which is a mitzvah de Raisa, we have to have the intention to fulfill a mitzvah of mitzvah sukkah. So too, if a person, when a person is in shul on Pasha Zohar and he's listening to the reading of the Torah of Pasha Zohar, then he has to have the intention, he has to remember and remind himself that he's having, he's doing this, he's listening to this reading because he wants to fulfill the mitzvah, the Raisa of Zecha Amalek, of remembering Amalek and being Moicha and removing Amalek from this world. Often in some shuls, the Balkaira or the Rav will bang and sometimes he'll be, do more than bang. He will actually remind the Tzibor that we're about to read the Pasha of Mechiyas Amalek, which is a, a, a mitzvah de Raisa. And if we remember to have intent to fulfill that mitzvah and to be careful to listen to every single word. Because it's a mitzvah de Raisa, we therefore are much more careful with the Sefer Torah that we use. We use a Sefer Torah that's been checked, a Sefer Torah that's Mahuda, a Sefer Torah that we know has been checked, a Sefer Torah that perhaps has been read through, computer checked, so we, we have little risk of there being any psul, any, anything wrong with that Sefer Torah, so that when we finish hearing the reading of Pasha Zohar, we can be assured that we have fulfilled the Mitzvah de Raisa as we should. And therefore, we try very carefully to use the sifritoya that are, are, are better quality sifritoya and the ones that have been computer checked and the ones that have been laned through, right the way through from the beginning to the end throughout the, the, the life of the sifritoya. And we know because during the career, we can see that the sifritoya has had no mistakes in it. And therefore, we can be more, more assured that we have fulfilled the mitzvah of safer, of, of, of reading Pasha Zohar. Therefore, Lahalocha, the Shochanar tells us that those people who live out of a city, in the old days there were many people who lived in villages, before the war there were many people who lived in villages, one of the Shabbosos, that they would be obligated to come into town and stay in town for Shabbos so they could join the minion and hear the Kriya Satoya would be Pasha Zohar, because if they wouldn't be coming into town, they would miss the opportunity to hear Pasha Zohar and miss an opportunity to fulfill a mitzvah their Isaac. And therefore, that's, that would be the standard that people would come into town from the villages on Shabbos, before Shabbos Zohar, stay Shabbos Zohar in the town, and they would, that way they could listen with the Kriyasatari in the village in the town that they would join, and be fulfill a mitzvah the Raisa of Pasha Zohar, of, of Timcha Zecha Molek Lesishkoch. Therefore, because it's a deraisa, if we have a bar on Pasha Zohar, we would not let the boy lane Pasha Zohar, because a bar mitzvah boy is a, considered a godl, is considered an adult, but we only give him the status of an adult, which is regards to drabonos. But where it's relevant to a deraisa, we don't give him a status of an adult until he's grown a beard, until he has uh, beginnings of, the, of a beard growing. And therefore, when it comes to Pasha Zohar, which is a deraisa, we will not let the bar mitzvah boy lane, it would have to be an adult who would lane the Pasha of Zohar for the Tzibur, not the Bami Tzibur. There are many different dialects in Hebrew. We have the Ashkenaz way of reading. We have the traditional Ashkenaz way of reading. We have the present-day Ashkenaz way of reading. We have the Eidos Mizrach 
way of reading. We have the Yemenite way of reading. A number of different ways to 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 read Hebrew, different letters, etc. Now, because Pasha Zohar is a derisa, it takes on a, a different severity to normal Kriyas Atayah. Whereas in a normal average Kriyas Atayah, which is only Drabonon, a Ashkenaz man may sometimes dive in a Sephard, you know, a Dismizrach minion or a Yemenite minion, and he will listen to Kriyas Atayah there, and that will be sufficient. Or vice versa, somebody who belongs to the Edus Mizrach would come to an Ashkenaz minion and fulfill his mitzvah of Kriyas Atayah by listening to the Kriyas Atayah with the way it's been, it's been expressed through, through Nusach Ashkenaz, and he'd fulfill his mitzvah. Because when it comes to Drabonon, we're not so particular uh, to require each person to listen to the Kriya in the manner and in the Messiah of his of of, his, of the way he reads. But when it comes to Pasha Zohar, many are very careful to listen to Pasha Zohar in the dialect that they're used to, the dialect of their Messiah. So if they belong to Ashkenaz, they would hear it in the Ashkenaz form. If they belong to Edus Mizrach, they would hear it in the Edus Mizrach form. If they belong to Yem, Yem, the Yemenite community, they will hear it in the Yemenite form. And, and so on. And in fact, there are many places where they, at the end of davening, they will re- reread the Pasha Zohar for Ashkenaz, Sfad, whoever's there, in all the different dialects. I remember when we lived in Gateshead, we used to daven in a, in a minion, early minion. I used to like davening early. And we used to daven in an early minion. Where after davening, there was a gentleman there who'd lay in the Yemenite manner and in a Sfadi manner and the Hasidish manner. And, and he would go through all the different uh, ways of reading so that in case one is more correct than the other, we can fulfill our derisa to the best way, as best as we can. That's not our Messiah. We have absolutely no obligation to do that. We have a Messiah how to read, and that's the Messiah that we fulfill, and that's the way we will read in Pasha Zohar. If you say Oi or Al, is not a huge change in Messiah. Uh, the Ages Mizrach pronounce letters differently, and the, the Yemenites for sure pronounce letters differently. In fact, sometimes when you hear the Yemenites lane, you're not quite sure what they're saying, because it's so different. Therefore, we are sweet, happy. We are very, very, uh, uh, it's sufficient for us to read Pasha Zohar the way we read it, and you, there's no need to go running around town looking for different min- minyanim to try and fulfill your obligation by hearing all the different styles of reading. That is not something that we're obligated to do. There's one word in the Pasha which there's a discussion as to how that word should be read, and that's the word Timcha es Zeicha Amolik, Mitachas Hashemaim, Loisishkoch. Is it Timcha es Zeicha Amolik? Or is it Timcha as Zecher Amolik? Is it with a Tseiri or is it with a Segoil? And uh, since the invention of the Mishnah Berurah, since the Mishnah Berurah became the last halachic uh, authority in in the Ashkenaz world, he writes there that because it's a Suffolk Dereisa, we should say both. And therefore you will find in many shuls, the meaning they will say Timcha as Zecher Amolik and they will repeat Timcha as Zecher Amolik. There are many shuls that find that that's not correct because if you say and then you just repeat it immediately afterwards it's as if you've corrected yourself and you haven't actually read both. The last reading will be the correct reading. Will be the correct reading. And then you've only said not And therefore they actually repeat the last pasuk. They will finish the pasuk. They will then repeat the whole pasuk. The, the third pasuk, repeat it again and say, We have Minig, which is the Messiah of Minig Ashkenaz, and the Gaon seems to have that Messiah, and it seems to be the Messiah in, in, in most of Gedoli Ashkenaz. The Minig is to say, 
and Zecher alone. We do not repeat. We do not repeat. All we say is Timcha is Zecher Amalek. That is our minik, and that is what we do. The fact that the Mishnah Baruch came along and suggests otherwise is fantastic for those who don't have a Messiah. But for us that have a Messiah, we will follow the Messiah and we will only lane once. We will say, And you have fulfilled your mitzvah, the Raisa, with that Kriya alone. There's a Machlekes in the Paskim, a Machlekes in the Halacha, whether a woman is Mechuyiv to listen to Pasha Zocher, or a woman is Potter from listening to Pasha Zocher. It's a machlekes, and since it's a machlekes, and it could be a machlekes whether you are obligated biblically or not, so it's a machlekes whether you're obligated in a Torah, so therefore it's become an accept, accepted custom for women who can to come to shul to hear Pasha Zohar. That way they are fulfilling a mitzvah deraisa, according to those opinions, who say that women are also mechuyiv in a mitzvah deraisa of listening to Pasha Zohar. And therefore we encourage women who can to come to shul to hear Pasha Zohar. Those who find it hard to come to shul in the morning because it's difficult for them, they have a family, etc., and it's hard for them to leave and be in shul in the morning, we have a minigin, again, which is a minigin Ashkenaz, to repeat Pasha Zohar specifically for women later on in the day, before Mincha, this year it's at five o'clock, before Mincha, so that the women can have a second opportunity to hear Pasha Zohar. It's preferable if a woman can come to Shachris and hear the Pasha Zohar during the Kriya Satori in the morning, because there are some opinions who say that hearing the Kriya in, uh, with a minion is also a biblically obligated part of the mitzvah of Pasha Zohar. So therefore, it's important, if one can, to come to the morning. If one can't, then it's sufficient to come in the afternoon, because many Gashkenaz is that reading from a Sefer Torah, Pasha Zohar, is a fulfillment of the obligation of mis- listening to Pasha Zohar, and if you can't come in the morning, come in the afternoon. A woman who can't come not in the morning or not in the afternoon because she's busy with her family and she can't leave them, then she's potter from Pasha Zohar. She's potter because there are opinions that say that a woman is not obligated anyway. And even if she is obligated, we have a rule in mitzvahs, and that is, Isaac b'mitzvah, potter min mitzvah. There is no greater mitzvah than a woman looking after her family. And if that means that she's not able to come to shul for Pasha Zohar, then she is potter from hearing Pasha Zohar. Isaac b'mitzvah, potter min mitzvah. There is a very interesting opinion in the, in the Mogan Avram, which tells us that if somebody didn't manage to come to shul on Pasha Zohar, then he should come to shul a bit early on Purim to hear the laning before Kriya Satoya, because the laning before Kriya Satoya is nine Psukim, which talks about the Muhammad Amalik. And the Magnavram is of the opinion that if you hear that Kriya Satoya, then you've also fulfilled your obligation of listening and, and remembering Amalik. And therefore he suggests that somebody who's not able to leave his village for Shabbos and come to Shul on Shabbos Pasha Zohar to hear the Kriya, he should come to Shul for Purim a little bit early, or make it in time for davening if he's a man, and hear the Kriya of the Kriya Satoria that's going to be laid on, laid on for him before the Megillah. That way he can fulfill his obligation with the second Kriya Satoria, that Kriya Satoria on Purim. However, that's a big machlekes in the Paskim, whether they agree with the Morgan of Rome or disagree, because there's no Timcha Zecher Amalek. The Pasha doesn't talk about wiping out Amalek at all. It just tells us the story of Amalek. And therefore, some Paskim disagree with the Morgan of Rome, and they say that you do not fulfill your obligation by hearing the Kriya Satoria on Purim. However, if a person didn't manage to come to Shul on Shabbos at all, coming to Shul on Purim, at least you fulfill the mitzvah according to the Morgan of Rome.
somebody who's a chayla, unwell, or a woman, maybe, maybe a woman who can't make it to shul, and the chayla who can't make it to shul or to, or to shul on Purim, then there is opinions who say that you don't actually need a Sefer Torah to fulfill your mitzvah, Pasha Zochay. You can read it from a chumish. Of course, you can't make any brachas, like we don't make brachas when we do the kriya in the afternoon for the ladies. But in order that to try and fulfill even some element of that mitzvah, even according to some opinion, then one should take a chumish out and read the Pasha of the three psukim of the, at the end of Pasha say, and that way they can fulfill at least somewhat the mitzvah of Pasha Zochit. In the world of Svadim, in the world of Edus Mizrach, there's a beautiful piyot, a beautiful, beautiful piyot, which is said across the board in Edus Mizrach. And the piyot is known, they say it only on Pasha Zochit, and the piyot is known as a piyot of mi chomoycha ve'en chomoycha. It's a beautiful piyot written and composed by Yehuda Halevi. Yehuda Halevi is the assumed author of the Kuzari. And he's the known author of this piyot. It's a piyot which is in four parts. And there's a huge discussion in the Sfadi world as to when you should actually say this piyot. Some say it before Nishmas on Shabbos morning because it's appealed, which is titled Micha Meicha. It starts off Micha Meicha, and 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 the, the prose is gone Micha Meicha ve'Enka Meicha, Micha Meicha ve'Enka Meicha, and therefore they say it together with the Micha Meicha in in Oz Yoshe just before Nishmas. There's many many who disagree with that. They say you're not allowed to make a hefsek in Pesuka de Zimra because Pesuka de Zimra is also begins with the bracha and ends with the bracha. And by bringing something in, which is not part of Pesuket de Zimra, is making a hefsek in Pesuket de Zimra. And therefore, they, 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 there are many who decide, who took away that minute of saying this beautiful piyot then, and they say it after Shemayin before Kriyas Atayra. And there are others who decided that why should they say it after Shemayin before Kriyas Atayra? That's not quite the right place to say piyotim. And therefore, they say it after Kriyas Atayra, before Musaf. But across the board, most killers in Eidos Mizrach, most Sfadi killers will say this piyot, and it's known as the piyot of Mikamoicha and Enkamoicha. Now I want to share with you a fantastic story, a beautiful story, I hope you don't mind, a beautiful story, which is a legend. I can't tell you if the story is true or not. I can tell you that the story is quoted in the Sfarim, and it's a legend around this piyot of the piyot of Mikamoicha. Yehuda Levi, who is supposed to be the, is attributed to be the author of the Kuzari, had one daughter. He had a single daughter, and his wife kept on pressurizing him to find a suitable chosen for this daughter. Yehuda Levi was a gone. He was a great man. He was one of the greatest, greatest people in his generation. And his wife kept on, on pressurizing him, please, we have a daughter, she's such a beautiful daughter, she's an amazing girl, she's a, a, a nov, a chasuda, she has a, a, such wonderful midas, she has everything going for her, please find for me, find for her a beautiful, a wonderful chasun. And because she put pressure on, on Rabbi Yudah Levi, he turned around and said, okay, you know what, the next man that comes into me, that person's going to be the future chasun of our daughter. And so it, behold, so it became the next day, a gentleman walked in. A gentleman walked in, the man definitely looked poor. He was wearing worn-out clothes. He was wearing worn-out clothes. 
this gentleman was Ravram Ibn Ezra. Ravram Ibn Ezra went and traveled around the world, and he traveled around the world incognito. And he came to the place of Yehuda Levi looking like a poor man. And he walked into Abhuda Levi. He was the first person to come in after Abhuda Levi made this promise that the first gentleman that walks into the room will become the future husband of my daughter. And he walked in looking like a tramp, looking like an, a poor, poor, poor person, come to collect arms, come to collect stocker for himself. When the wife of Abhuda Levi saw this gentleman walk into the room, realize that this now is going to have to become the future husband for her daughter. You can imagine that the face fell as she came into a terrible state. She tried to find out who this gentleman was. Who was he? What, what, uh, what level of intellect did he have? Was he suitable for the daughter? But he, he was very evasive. Ibn Ezra was very evasive and it never disclosed who he was and avoided any discussion of intellect to try and keep himself hidden from public eye, that no one should really know who he is. So she came crying to her husband, to Abhuda Levi, and said, look, look what we've done. We've uh, promised that this gentleman has to become the future husband. And look, he's an ignoramus. He's a a poor man. He doesn't seem to have uh, any lineage. He doesn't seem to be of any standard. How can we do this to our daughter? Abhuda Levi, by the way, was a wealthy man as well. And the legend goes, Rabbi Yudha Levi said that, you know what, don't worry, she, she said to his wife, I'll teach him Torah, and uh, when I finish teaching him Torah, he'll be a fitting husband for our daughter. He tried to teach him Torah, and he tried to engage with him, it didn't work. The, the Ibn Ezra was hiding, kept himself distant, wouldn't allow himself to be known exactly who he was and what his Torah intellect level was at all. And it was a frustrating time. At that period of time, Rabbi Yudha Levi was in the process of composing this beautiful piyot, this micha moicha en kamoicha, this beautiful piyot. And the first part of the piyot is a piyot written in the order of the alphabet. So he starts off with the aleph, and then goes on to second prose with a base, then another verse with a gimel, etc., and Rabbi Yudha Levi had written all the, the verses for all the different alphabet. When he came to the letter Resh, he struggled. He came to the letter Resh, he struggled, and he couldn't, didn't get the, the inspiration to write the verse on the letter Resh. And he came to the period of the day where his wife had wanted to serve him supper, and she came to the base of Medrash and said, Rabbi uh, I've got supper waiting for you. Please come and eat your supper, eat your lunch, whatever it was. Come and eat. And when you finish, you'll be able to go back. You'll have a fresh head. You'll have eaten. And Bez Hashem, you'll find Siyat Dishmai, and you'll be able to finish off that verse. So he got up from his place, went home, and uh, went to the room wherever he ate, and ate his, ate his uh, meal that his wife had prepared for him. In the meantime, the Ibn Ezra came into the base of Medrash and saw the paper, papers of Rabbi Yudha Levi. And he saw this beautiful piyot that Rabbi Yudha Levi was composing in the order of the alphabet, this piyot, Micha Moicha Enka Moicha. Now, Ibn Ezra himself was a python, as we know. Ibn Ezra wrote many, many poems and piyotim. And he saw the letter Resh was empty. So he composed a verse for the letter Resh. And he wrote it down and left it. When Rabbi Yudha Levi returned after his meal, he saw a verse been written by a different handwriting, clearly by somebody else, 
on the letter Rish. And he was very intrigued. So he started trying to find out what was going on. And eventually he came to the realization that the gentleman that he's been, he thought was an ignoramus was a gentleman that actually had written this verse. And he persuaded him to, to reveal who he was. And eventually he told him, I am the Rebavrom Ibn Ezra. I'm the Ibn Ezra, as you know it, uh, the Parish Ibn Ezra, that's me. And I've been traveling around the world incognito, trying not to, to make my name known. And there was an unbelievable simcha in the family because they've now realized that this Ibn Ezra wasn't an ignoramus, but was a man of stature, entire stature, and a man of standing, and was fitting to become the, the future son-in-law and the husband to the daughter of Yehuda Levi. And there was an unbelievable simcha, and he became the son-in-law of Yehuda Levi. In fact... Rebuda Levi himself then went and composed his own verse for the letter Reish. And if you look through the Piyot, Mikamoycha and Enkamoycha, you see a fascinating thing that the, each letter has one verse to it. Aleph has one verse, Base has two, Base has one verse, Gimel has one verse. When you get to the letter Reish, it has two verses. Because out of deference to his, his son-in-law, the godl, the Ibn Ezra, Rebuda Levi himself kept that verse of the Ibn Ezra in place in his Piyot to show covert to his son-in-law. So we have two verses in this wonderful period on the letter Rish. Interestingly, if you look in the Ibn Ezra in Pashas Yisroi, on the he quotes his father-in-law there in understanding why we say why we don't say he who created the world. Why do we only refer to HaKadosh Baruch as the one who took us out of Mitzrayim? Not the one who created the world, which is a part of the discussion that the Kuzri had with the Rebbe, that the Chassid had with the, with the king of Kuzar, which of course is a book authored by Rebbe Levi. whether it's true or not, the, the book or it's just a a, a invented story by Rebbe Levi to get the Hashkafas across the Kladis world is again a discussion, but he quotes him there, Rabbi Yehuda Levi, his father-in-law. And that's a legend around this wonderful Piyot Mikamoycha. And because it's such a beautiful Piyot, which talks, goes through the whole story of Megillah in, 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 in prose form. And, and, and it really brings Yerushimayim in, in, and, and a beautiful understanding to the story of Megillah. Therefore, in Pasha Zohar, in the build-up to Purim, the Swadi community do have the minute to say this Piyot. We in Ashkenaz don't have the minute to say the full Piyot. We don't say this Piyot. Uh, it would be lovely if we did, but I think it would probably have most people walking out of shul if we said Yetzirah and this Piyot. I think that would be a little bit too much for people. Let's just finish off with the Pashas Parah and Pashas HaChodesh. The Shabbos Before Pashas HaChodesh, and the Yushami tells us that Pashas Parah and Pashas HaChodesh must always be two consecutive Shabbosis. They may not, must not be a break between Pashas Parah and Pashas HaChodesh. It's a Yushami quoted by Rabbeinu Hananel in Masechta's Megillah. It's a Yushami that we've spoken about a number of times in Shul. But clearly the halachi is like the Yushami that we do not make a break between Pashas Parah and Pashas HaChodesh. And therefore, for example, this year, the Shabbos after Purim will be a Shabbos of soccer. That's the Shabbos of the 16th of Adar, as we mentioned earlier, it'll be a Shabbos of Havsaka, because if we made Pashas Para then, Pashas HaChodesh would only be two weeks later. We'd end up with a break between Pashas Para and Pashas HaChodesh. So we'd rather have the Havsaka, the Shabbos after Purim, and then Pashas Para and Pashas HaChodesh can be in, a, in two consecutive weeks. Pashas Para, we lane the Pasha of Para Aduma and Pashas Chukas. According to many opinions, Pashas Para is also a Mitzvah Deir The reason why we lane it then 
is because as we build up towards the month of Nisan, which is the month of carbon Pesach, and carbon Pesach can only be brought when we are in a pure state. Therefore, we lane the Pasha of Pasha's Parot to prepare us so that we should be pure when we enter into the month of Nisan and we head towards the the bringing of the carbon Pesach. And even if we can't actually bring the carbon Pesach practically because the base Midrash would not be may not be may not be built, but at least we're fulfilled on a shalom of Param Sifsosenu. We've we've read the Pasha which can enable us to be pure, which has some effect on the purity of Kladisro. And therefore we can head into Pur head into the month of Nisan in a pure state. This is according to many a mitzvah deraisa, and therefore all the obligations of the mitzvah deraisa will apply, like it applied to Pasha Zohar, will apply to Pasha's Poro. However, when it comes to women, when it comes to women, there is no obligation for a woman to hear Pasha's Poro. There is, according to some, an obligation for Pasha's Zohar, but there is no obligation for a woman to hear Pasha's Poro. It's a mitzvah, if a woman would like to fulfill the mitzvah, she can come to Shul. Of course, it's, it'll be a wonderful thing, but there is no obligation for a woman to hear the Pasha's Poro. For the Pasha's Poro has to be read from the beginning, right the way through till the end of the Pasha. If we miss out a Pasha here or there, or the end Pasha, we don't finish off till the end of the Pasha, then the Pasha has to be repeated. It has to be read again because you haven't fulfilled your obligation. And then the following week, which is the week of Rishchidosh this year, or normally the week before Rishchidosh, we will name Pasha Sachidosh. Of course, Pasha Sachidosh is the Pasha of the new moon, which is the Pasha of the carbon Pesach, all the halachas of carbon Pesach, that was, Klavisro were instructed through Moshe Rabbeinu, Baruch to bring the carbon Pesach, and therefore, because Nisan is the month when we bring the carbon Pesach, and we have to prepare to bring the carbon Pesach. So in the, the last Shabbos pre the month of Nisan, or on the Rishchidosh itself, we lay in the Pasha of Pasha Chodesh, which of course is only a Drabonon. It's not Minatari at all. It's only as a Zecher to remind us of the Kabbalah Pesach and to fulfill the obligation, if we can, through Neshalom of Parim by reading the Pasha. And therefore we read Pasha Chodesh. It's a Drabonon. It doesn't have all the stringencies that the Pasha's Zohar or Pasha's Parah have. And again, women are, are not obligated, obligated to hear Pasha's Chodesh. It's a Mitzvah Sashesh as Mangroma. If they would like to, they are welcome to, but it's, they're not obligated. But Bezos Hashem, we will work our way through the Pasha Shkodim this week, a Pasha where we all donate, we all come together, we create Achtos in Kvali When we have Achtos and we're able to repel the negativity that's in this world, Pasha Zohar, we will to remove the Amalek from ourselves, from our midst, and Amalek from, from the world. And once we've done that, we can move into the state of purity, we can, uh, can send us the Tara, the purifying Parah Aduma, and then we'll be Zeich to Pasha Zachodesh, the renewal, Bezos Hashem, the Bezos Agoyel, Bekorev, the Meherbi Amenu. Thank you for listening and have a very good night.